0: morning we're continuing our series called Small Story, Big Story, where we're we're digging in and taking a fresh look at some of the seminal stories in our scripture library and find how these small stories might point us to the big story of God's love for us and for all people, and maybe even find a little bit of our story in that big story as well. So I'm excited for the story that we're telling today. Uh, it's, it's part of a story that we told way back when Open was just beginning. It's a story about Jesus, about God's radical, wide, open, wall-breaking love for all people. And so all of that is all good. Uh, but first, I want to tell a different kind of story. And so I want to tell you some stories about middle school. Are you guys ready for that? All right. So you remember middle school, right? Um, middle school, the land of blemishes and braces and Axe Body Spray and that, that four feet away, you know, body sway kind of slow dance thing. Um, let's just say there's a reason that you've never heard of a middle school reunion. Um, <laughs> you, may be, you may be in middle school right now, and so just know, like, on behalf of all of us who've made it through, stay strong, y'all. Um, things do get better, right? So uh, just to help us feel a little bit better about how things in middle school go, I brought a picture of someone with us today. Um, Does anybody know who that is? That is George Clooney. That is right. (laughs) So that is George Clooney. So it just goes to show that if George Clooney does not look cool in middle school, then nobody does. No one does. No one was comfortable in their own skin. No one was comfortable in their own clothes and their own cracking voice for some of us. No one knows quite who they are, but we are desperately trying to find it. We want to find and know who we are, but we're all kind of looking for that. All of us are super cool now, of course, uh, but back then we were all trying to figure out life and who we were and all of it, all of that, while we tried to also figure out the NSEQ dance moves and try to memorize those things too. So there's a lot of figuring out of things going on in middle school. I remember walking out in the cafeteria And we already, in middle school, had all these little bunches that had formed in the community, little groups and little circles, like these little islands, like over here were the athletes, and over here were the band kids, and the skate kids were over here, and the the roller skate kids were right here, which is the cool table, of course. And we're all trying to figure out who we are and in the process of doing that. Sometimes we start labeling things and drawing boundaries and borders of where we fit and where we belong, and of course, who is in and who is out. We define ourselves and others by those boundaries that we draw and we separate. And adult life kind of looks like that sometimes, right? We we step out into the metaphorical cafeteria of life with our with our trays and we look around desperately for a circle that we belong to. But deep down there's something in us that knows that it's not supposed to be like that. The divisions by Age and race and class, ethnicity and identity and orientation and zodiac sign or, or whatever are not supposed to be the way that things are. Of course, we are those things, but dividing ourselves and drawing boundaries over who's in and out, deep down, we know that we are more than division by those things, those labels that we put on ourselves and that the world puts on us. And a part of us is so thirsty. We're longing to know and to be known for the truth of who we are and to know others in the truth of that as well. There's thirst in our spirit. And, of course, when religion gets mixed in to that circle drawing and label making, it gets messy and it gets hurtful and harmful. There's that unsettling feeling when you don't feel like you can be who you truly are. And it's funny to think about middle school, and it's especially funny to think about George Clooney in middle school for me. But these lines and divisions and boundaries and closed circles can be really wounding, as we know, when religion gets mixed in, when spirit and self and baggage all get mixed in, because we hear these messages and we begin to think that the doors are closed to you, to us, because of who you are, how you think, right, who you love, your doubts, your questions, your identity. Maybe you've been through stuff, maybe your life and your kids aren't perfect, and you don't know all of the answers about this whole God thing, and you wonder whether the doors are open to you. I mean, you don't know, is it Malachi or is it Malachi? How do you pronounce that word that's in the Bible? You don't know all the answers, and you start to wonder if this whole thing is just closed to you, that God's love is closed to you, that God is closed to you. And some of us, our deepest stuff is connected to that message that's just floating in culture sometimes, but our spirit And our soul is resilient, and it is thirsty for more. But a part of us wonders whether we are outside some closed circle. And So you may have heard that message. You may have heard a closed message. You may have felt that way. But I want to say that something clearly in here. That is not the heart of God. The heart of God is love, and the heart of God is open. Open to all, open to you, at work, in you, and through you, and for you, no matter what. And the God who created you loves you. And your uniqueness is because God is a creator, not a duplicator, all right? God loves you as you are for who you are, and the depth of your spirit, and the truth of who you are, no matter what. And so we see that heart, that open, wall-breaking heart of God in the person of Jesus, Who in the face of religion's closed doors, Jesus stepped onto the scene with this invitation that was simple and wide. All people, anyone, everyone, whosoever, all who would come, come. And and Jesus threw the doors wide open. And people would be like, okay, Jesus, that's far enough with the door thing. And Jesus would just push them open a little bit further. Because when God says all people, God means all And so Jesus lived out this truth in such a powerfully revolutionary and restorative way that it is still reverberating in us and pulling us further. Jesus didn't just throw out a mass invite to everyone. Jesus met people where they were and treated them with love, as worthy of love, as a beloved child of God, as we declared today, no matter what. He went to those who felt separated or overlooked or closed out. He went to the, the lawyers and the lepers and the devout and the doubters and the fishermen and the philosophers, and in love, helped them peel off the world's labels and connect with the beauty and purpose and sacred worth of who they truly are, the very thing that they were thirsty for, that we are thirsty for, and had this message for us that God is crafting a new kind of circle with love at its center where you belong, where you can be who you truly are. So the first followers of Jesus glimpsed this in part. Even in the midst of their ancient culture, their view of the world and of themselves was revolutionized by Jesus. And so you hear this exuberance burst out of the community sometimes in different places, like one in, in Galatians 3, 28, where they write, there's no longer Jew or Greek, there's no longer slave or free, there's no longer male and female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. All are one in Christ Jesus, they exclaimed, no matter the specifics of our identity, that God loves us all in who we are, for who we are. And in some way, humanity has always been just catching up with where God has always been. And that's why it's so important what you are doing here, what God is doing here, in this place, in this community, in our world, in open, as this affirming community of diversity, as we get to know this heart of God, experience God's radical love, be shaped by it, and do our best to live that out in our city, in our world, to be a part of making this world a more kind and gracious and creative and just and equitable and inclusive and open world, to be the beloved community of a God who is love. And that's why it's important that we do this together, because we need each other in this If we're all created in the image of God, then we need each other in all of our diversity to glimpse more fully a more complete image and picture of who God is. And along the way, we realize that God's table is a much bigger and better table than anything in any middle school cafeteria ever could be, and that George Clooney might even make the cut in that too. (laughs) So I want to tell you a story about a time when Jesus just threw the doors of the circle wide open. Uh, It's a story about Jesus seeking out a woman in his culture at a well and opening the doors wide open for her and helping her discover who she really was. And so here's why this story was important. If you had asked the culture and the religion of the day, what are the things on your list that separate people from God? In our day, even, religion and culture have a list of things. Uh, We have our own list of things we feel personally separate us or or others from God. Our culture has a list. But if you ask this in Jesus' day, there would have been a few things at the top of the list. And this story is about what happened when Jesus encountered a woman who checked all of the boxes on the list. So first, she was a Samaritan. Um, And Samaritans were a different culture and ethnicity and religion that lived in the north part of the country, And in their culture, there was a deep seated racism and prejudice and religious bigotry toward them. Samaritan people were considered corrupted in some way, practicing a different false religion, and were the lowest of the low. And so when you're traveling, you don't go through Samaria, you don't eat after Samaritans, you don't have anything to do with them. It was this deep prejudice, ethnically and racially and religiously, that had lasted for about 800 years in their culture. And it's amazing how long and how deeply our prejudices linger in our culture, in our systems, and our institutions. And so, number one, this person was a Samaritan. So there's check one. Second, she was a woman, which I know it's hard to believe, but women used to not be treated equally in our world (laughs) by culture or religion. Back then, they only made 73 cents on the dollar. It was, you know, it's crazy. It's mind-boggling. So, yeah, you know, history... uh, has a way of just continuing on. So she's a woman. She's also a woman with a past in their culture. Like any vulnerable person, especially women in those days, society often presented her with impossible choices in society's frameworks. And so in society's eyes, she was an outsider because of that as well. And so those were the big three for them. Samaritan woman on the outside. And if you were listening in those days and you heard a story about Jesus meeting a Samaritan woman on the outside, you would have gasped, you would have fainted, someone would have brought you a church fan and started fanning you, and people would be going, bless her heart, bless her heart, all over the place. But instead, what we find when Jesus meets this person, instead, what we find at this story at the beginning of the Gospel of John, this story about Jesus' life, chapter four, which is near the beginning of where the story begins. It's amazing to me that, that the followers of Jesus, when they're putting together all the stories that they tell about, to tell people about who Jesus was, that this was the story that they led with. This was like one of the very first stories in the Gospel of John. And they wanted to put this at the front because in some way it revealed something incredibly important about God's heart, about who Jesus was and the kind of work that he was here to do and that we are here to do for each other and with each other as well. And so the story begins like this. Jesus left Judea and set out again for Galilee. He had to pass through Samaria. And I want to pause for the cause just for a second here. So here's a map. Um, No Jew would ever travel through Samaria. That's just not what you did. And so typically you take this, you just kind of cross the river and go around Samaria to the other side. And so this idea that Jesus had to, no one else was making That journey. Jesus didn't have to pass through Samaria because no one else was doing it. But the word had to, that we have this little Greek word, can mean necessity, but it can also mean that it was divinely necessary. It's the same word that Jesus said when he had to go to Jerusalem at the climax of his story. So Jesus had to go through Samaria because that's what the open heart of God does. It goes to those places where we feel separated And draws us in. It goes to those places that seem beyond acceptance. And God goes to accept. It goes to those places where the wounds are deep. And God heals the separation that is far. God bridges those things that are closed. God goes and throws the doors wide open. And that's what's happening here. And that's what makes this story so beautiful and transgressive. Is that Jesus had to go. Because that's who God is and who we are. It's God's children as well. so he arrives in this place, and it says it was about midday, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And so here's where the fainting couch stuff begins. So this is subtle, but this is a sign of the woman's story and circumstance, because you don't go to draw water in the midday, in the heat of the day. Uh, You don't go at noon unless you really want to be alone, because it was like Texas. You just don't get out at noon. And so this is where she finds herself, isolated from her community, maybe because of others, or maybe she just got tired of the stink eye and wanted to go by herself. But she was unseen. And even in the midst of that, she's thirsty, and so here she is. And often that's right where we keep our thirst. We keep our thirst hidden, that part of us that's longing to be known, not to be defined by a circle or a circumstance, looking for meaning, a part of us that desires not to be separated. We don't always let people see it. But we carry it around with us like a water jug that we need to be filled, and so this isolation is what makes Jesus's question to her so simple and so profound. Jesus says to her, "Give me some to drink, please." <laughs> I'm pretty sure Jesus said, "Please." So, so um, <laughs> tell tell your kids don't be like Jesus. Say please when you ask for <laughs> water from someone. So he asked this, which may not seem like much, but you can see what this meant in their culture in the reply that she says. She says, how is it, replies the Samaritan woman, that you who are a Jew ask for water from a Samaritan woman like me? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans, and certainly not across gender lines, and certainly not for those on the outside. And she knew something unexpected was happening here, that boundaries were being crossed But Jesus said something to her, Samaritan woman with a story you are worthy of sharing a cup with. Can I have some of your water? And the door began to open to her. And so she pulls in a little closer. And to think about what this story is is telling us, think about those things that you think are on your list that separate you from God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. The witness says, our experience says, and the truth of this story says as well that the heart of God steps right over those boundaries like they are nothing and not even there. The heart of God goes to you and seeks you out and meets you and says you are worthy of sharing a cup with, and that's amazing. This cup of love in so many ways was exactly what she had been so thirsty for. When you begin to realize how much God loves you, that changes everything, like a little seed that begins to grow in you. And as they talk, she realizes this man in front of her knows her and knows her story. And for the first time in her life, hears her story and does not leave, does not condemn, heard her story and made her believe that there just might be more chapters in her life story to write. And so Jesus goes deeper and goes to her thirst, not just for water, but her thirst for more, to be known and to be loved. He says this, if you knew the gifts of God and who it is that is saying this to you, give me some water, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water, which is very cryptic Jesus talk <laughs> here. But Jesus goes on with this metaphor of this water. He says, all who drink of this water will be thirsty again, pointing at the well, but the water that I will give them shall be a spring that's welling up within them, a source of true life, not from the outside, but of something in us. He offers her this water and this metaphor, because from my experience, nothing can fill us quite like the life that he's describing, a God-drenched, empowered, beloved life in which there is no boundary between us and the God who made us and formed us, but God is with us and in us and for us every step of our journey. This life of being known and loved, this life not from outside, but from the inside, from the depths of who we are. And for her, he offers her what she is truly seeking, even if she doesn't quite realize the implications of this. This spring, a source that's within us that begins to waken us to life into purpose, into calling, into more chapters to be written in our story, to who we were built to be, a spring that not, doesn't come from the outside, but this life that's bubbling up in us. And sometimes we try to quench our thirst with things from the outside, right, with, with labels or circles or good behavior or accomplishments or achievements and all of these things. And, and those can be good things, but they will not fill us like a spring. And so what does? What is springing up new life in us? And so here's just my opinion on this. So take it for what it's worth. I think the thing that fills us is we begin to know who we are as a beloved child of God. We begin to know our sacred worth and glimpse a little bit of it. and begin to know the heart of the God who loves us and knows us. and We begin to know that God invites us to use who we are to be part of this story that the God of love is working and riding in our world, that we have a part to play in this too, that you are a beloved child of God, beautifully and colorfully made, of sacred worth and profound purpose, and realizing that, and growing in that, and letting that in some ways bubble up like a spring inside of us. That is an ongoing daily journey that some days I you know, hit like 20% and other days I'm down in the single digits, but I'm on this journey. And let's just say that for me, when I'm open to who I am, to the God who is open to me and open to my neighbor in love, it is truly a spring of living, fulfilling, antioxidant-rich, coconut, Whole30, living vitamin water (laughs) bubbling up at the center of my life. So when she hears this invitation to life, Like us, she still had a lot of questions. (laughs) She had a lot of doubts and questions about this whole religion thing. And so she just asked because that's always a good thing to do. It's part of all of this. So she says to him, sir, I see that you're a prophet. There's something going on here. I I can see it. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but Jews say that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem, right? So some people say one thing about God, and other people say this other thing about God. Some say that you have to actually go to the original Corpus Christi Whataburger to really experience (laughs) the whole thing. Who is right? Who's got the answers in this? And so Jesus says something remarkable to her. He says, God is open to worship in all kinds of places, in all kinds of ways, but what God is looking for most is you is you simply seeking with your authentic self. He says this, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and truth. It doesn't matter what mountain you're doing it on. For God seeks such as these. Basically, Jesus says, what God is seeking is not a place or a way to worship, but what God is seeking is those that are truly seeking as themselves, authentic and open. Seeking from the depth of your spirit. And the truth of who you are, what God is looking for, is you, as you are, with all you are, because of who you are. And so you don't have to, to connect with God. You don't have to go to a special mountain. You don't have to be a missionary or a monk or complete a march to Mordor to connect with God. You just have to open yourself and offer yourself from the depth of your spirit and the truth of who you are, your true self, not your prettied up, Sunday best self either, not your normative, closed up self, but offer your whole self as best you can and the truth of who you are, because God loves you, not Sunday best you, if that even exists, but you. So God doesn't say, you get your whole self together and then we'll talk. God says, I'm seeking you with open arms. God sees you and knows you and loves you. Your whole story loves you more than you can imagine. If you ever feel separated, God is walking across Samaria to find you because God has to go because God loves you so much. God knows you and sees you and loves you, and when you realize that, that begins to change everything and quench a thirst in us. So this Samaritan woman, outcast by culture, alone, and thirsty, For the first time maybe in her life, someone saw her, really saw her. God really saw her. And so I want you to know today that this is true for you as well, that God sees you too. God sees who you are. God sees your thirsts. God sees your beauty and your wonder and your sacred worth. God sees what makes you laugh or make you cry. God sees the truth of who you are and thinks that you are indescribably beautiful. In all your idiosyncrasies, God loves you and thinks you are a pretty good hang, too. God loves you and likes you, and has a beautiful purpose for you in this whole story. And what our open God of love asks of you is simply that you be open the depth of your spirit, and the truth of who you are. And when you do, you find that when you seek God in openness, that God is seeking you with open arms, a God who will walk across Samaria, that you might know that. So the cool thing about this community, and in this room, and in other places in our lives, is that God sees all of us this way all of us together in the beauty of our diversity God sees the people around us and next to us God sees them as worthy as well and just think about what that means take a moment just to like kind of look around the room don't make eye contact because that's weird (laughs) just kind of keep your head down but glance around and realize that in this room everyone is of sacred worth loved by God made in God's image, in some ways reflecting something specific and unique about who God is and worthy of sharing a cup with. All of us together invited into this open circle of love and life that springs up from the center of everything. So as I mentioned, Friday night at Pride, it was an amazing, beautiful time, carrying the doors out there and sharing some water with, our, uh, with all of our thirsty friends celebrating everyone. So just a, it's just a small fraction of the folks that were there from our community, too. As we gave out love and water, as we received love and water back from friends, it was wonderful. Um, it, was, it was truly a wonderful celebration of life and of the image of God in all people. But it also had some background noise, too, if you were there on Friday night. There was background noise of street preachers going on, right? A harmful, uh, hateful, just uh, harmful, destructive background noise. Luckily, the amazing playlist of Madonna and D. Light and Beyonce like drowned them out pretty much. Uh, but also did the community that was raising their voice in resistance and in protection and in care and in love. But it still hurt. And and the contrast between God's heart of love and life and openness. And the celebration that was taking place on the square could not be clearer. in that moment. So one of my friends wrote this to us and to all of us in this community here at Open, and they said this, thanks for being awesome, this is to you. And loving the queer community for being active in that love for us. Thank you for creating a space so people can learn and grow in love to know that the things the streets preacher said last night were not true. Thanks for not being street screaming preachers, y'all, but being water-giving ones. A water-giving community with a spring at the center of all of it. That is who we are all called to be in our world, isn't it? Just like Jesus was. Water-giving, life-giving, all of us together, no matter whether we are gay or straight, trans, whatever gender or identity, whether black or white, brown, immigrant, native born, we are so loved by God and called to let that love bubble up and overflow, to give life and love and water in a thirsty world. Where there are those that draw boundaries, who close doors, we have a God who throws them wide open and calls us to do just the same that all in our world and especially those alone at the wells might know just how worthy and loved they are and that water might spring up for all of us. You might not feel like you have much life to give, but in the depth of your spirit, the truth of who you are, you are a beloved child of God overflowing with life and love and goodness. You know that God intersects you and empowers who you are, you have more to give than you ever imagined. That's the living divine spring at the heart of it all, and no one is separated. Friends, that's our call in our world. That's our mission. That's our invitation, and that's where God meets us. This invitation to live that out together so that this life of God might be a bubbling stream of justice. And life and liberation flowing from the center of our circle and down every mountain in our community, in our city, in our world. Because our God is open. Our God's love is open to you. And our God's overflowing life is here for you, and you are invited to be a part. In the depth of who you are, in the truth of who you are, you are loved and you are invited to be open. Let's pray together. Gracious God, of love for all people, thank you for this. Thank you that the circles and the boundaries and the borders that we draw are not boundaries and borders to you, but you are a God for all people, with all people, and all people. And forgive us for those times that we've missed that. God, but thank you for finding us Going through some area, finding us, and then letting us know just how loved we are. Thank you for shredding the list and loving with open arms. Help us to do the same for our world and for each other. We pray this in you. Amen.